Good afternoon, patriots. You are tuned into Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. I am your host, Ryan. Today we'll talk about the latest Democrat temper tantrum. We'll try to answer the question of who's really being hospitalized for COVID. And I have a new rant next on Living with Liberty. Do Democrats have a quota that they need to fill uh, of sham investigations? It didn't take them long to start another one into whether the Supreme Court of the United States was abusing its authority by utilizing their shadow docket process to hear the Texas uh, heartbeat law case. The Supreme Court hands down its decision affirming Texas's abortion law, and bam, here comes the phony Democrats sniffing around with another sham investigation. Now, mind you, this decision did not favor Democrat ideology, so now they have to pitch a fit like the petulant two-year-olds they are and start investigating. Dick Durbin, doing all he can to live up to his name, is the senator in charge of the Senate Judiciary Committee, which is the one le- and is the one leading the charge on what will be most assuredly another sham investigation. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the Democrats have benefited many times from the shadow docket procedure. But now that there is a state that dares move to put a law in place that preserves the life of the unborn babies and The Supreme Court, who Democrats think is their uh, basically de facto legislative body for whenever their horrible ideas can't get through the regular Congress, they just take it to the Supreme Court to get passed. Now that what they view as their de facto legislative body upholds this law, how dare they? The Democrats have to start an investigation. Now here's what Dickie D had to say about the ruling. This anti-choice law is a devastating blow to Americans' constitutional rights. And the court allowed it to see the light of day without public deliberation or transparency. So the Democrats are all of a sudden interested in protecting constitutional rights? They've done nothing but attempt to strip them. Now they are interested in protecting them? And which one, which constitutional right would that be that you are trying to protect here, Dick? The last time I checked, abortion wasn't a constitutional right. Nowhere does it say we have the right to abort a pregnancy. Now, before you start in on, well, it's not explicitly there. We don't have anything in there in terms of uh, creating airplanes or any other of the modern amenities we have either. Uh, Those are false and and phony arguments, in my opinion. You have to look at the deeper meaning here. And in my understanding, having actually read the Constitution, read through it a few times, and I go back and reference it uh, just as a a point of research sometimes. So in, in my understanding, there is no part in the Constitution that even insinuates that it is open to be interpreted in a fashion where we snuff out life. 
show me where in the Constitution it's even insinuates that you could even interpret it to mean that we have the right to abort babies, to take a life. So in that fashion, in that light, I'd like to know what constitutional right Dick Durbin is so interested in protecting here. The answer, of course, is that there isn't a constitutional right that he's trying to protect. He's just throwing about this constitutional protection narrative to make it seem as if some constitutional right is being stripped away by this Texas heartbeat law so he can try and stake a claim to being a, a defender of the Constitution. But we all see these Democrats for the phonies they are and the fake outrage this is and for uh, just trying to prey on Americans' a lack of knowledge of the Constitution. I'll tell you what, more and more are waking up and reading the Constitution and getting well-versed in it day to day. So good luck here, Dick. Dick Durbin knows there is no constitutional right to abortion. The Democrats know there's no constitutional right to abortion. He and they are just pandering. He knows Democrats are in trouble during the next election cycle, and he's trying to do all he can here to pander to an ever-shrinking base. I, I, I don't think at this point people are, are going to buy it anymore. Many are awake. And if he wants to talk about choices, let's talk about choices here. How about this? How about you make a choice to not have a one-night stand? You make a choice to use protection if, if, if you so choose to, to have the one-night stand or have sex outside of marriage. How, how about you just make the choice to, to say you got protection, then if it's a no, it's a no. I, there's the choice. It, it's not, oh, well, uh, yeah, I this dude's gone. Uh, I'm just going to go have abortion. Make a better choice up front. How about, how about that for uh, protecting people's choices, right? How about if you had, just make the choice up front? Think about things before you do them. Uh, it, there's no, uh, no constitutional right to this. It's a freedom of choice. And life has consequences, and sometimes you just got to live with them. Uh, this is the whole constitutional uh, protecting the Constitution outrage is ridiculous. I'm tired of the Democrats. All they do is they use it when it's convenient for them. I, I, if if I, I don't understand how anybody can vote for these clowns ever again, but you know they will, and they'll find a way to somehow stack the deck in their favor. We just got to be ready for it. So on to the next topic here. The COVID narrative continues. Of course, we're. Uh, Learning our Greek alphabet, I think we're up to uh, the Mu variant now, which is apparently out of Colombia. Uh, <laughs> whatever, right? They're just trying to pound this narrative, trying to continue it. You, uh, I said it back a, a while back, a few shows back, that they're just going to keep running through the, the Greek alphabet because uh, each progressive letter may, means it's something worse, and it's not. It's just trying to maintain the control. The good thing is, it's falling more and more on deaf ears. But yet they continue to, to pound this narrative, none, you know, nonetheless. I mean, it, they just continue, the Democrats and the bureaucrats and the media 
morons continue to pound this COVID narrative, even, even in the face of data that says otherwise, that is contrary to the narrative, data that is easily accessible on the CDC's own website. Notice that these clowns never cite the CDC data. Tuck that in the back of your mind and use that as an argument the next time anybody wants to come at you with how bad COVID is. Or, you know, CNN said this, well, how come they never cite CDC data? Now, why is this? It's because there's no questioning of the COVID narrative at all. And there's no questioning now on who's getting sick and who's actually being hospitalized. And of course, that's that's limited to legacy media and, and call it roughly half of our elected officials because the House and the Senate are, are about evenly split. Well, the Senate's exactly evenly split. The House is very, very close to being evenly split. So who is actually being hospitalized? I think given the data that comes out day after day, it's a valid question that needs to be answered. If, if, if we had an honest legacy media, instead of the Democrat Party bootlickers we currently have, we might actually get decent information as to what is actually going on with COVID and hospitalizations and who's getting hospitalized and why, and what's all the data behind these hospitalizations. But since we don't have a functioning legacy media, we get propaganda from these buffoons who are too stupid to realize that if the Democrats' totalitarian utopias actually realized that these media buffoons will no longer be useful and they'll be cast aside by the Democrats with the rest of us deplorables. They don't understand that because they don't look that far ahead. They think they're in good now with the Democrats and they do their bidding willingly. But at the end of the day, once the total power is achieved, they'll be cast aside with the rest of us. Now, we do, thankfully, have alternative journalistic outlets that are willing to answer questions like this. I have an Epic Times piece I will link in the description box, it is titled, Who's Really Being Hospitalized by Jennifer Margulis. Margulis opens her piece with a story about a friend with a pancreas disorder, pancreatitis, who was admitted to the hospital as a COVID patient. Now, her friend had none of the main symptoms of COVID, no fever, no loss of taste or smell, no congestion, now, Margulis's friend did have nausea and fatigue, but that could very plausibly have been due to lingering, uh, uh, lingering symptoms from a recent surgery. So that was explained. None of the other system, symptoms, no fever, nothing. Some nausea and fatigue, which is very traceable to uh, the recent surgery uh, Margulis's friend had yet. Yeah her friend was admitted as a COVID patient. Now, why? Because it is easier for the hospital to register Margulis's friend as a COVID patient. That's why. This is about bureaucratic expediency. Hospitals 
are registering based on the path of least resistance. And then to boot, instead of checking into this to see what's actually going on, you have these media buffoons who start screaming about how the hospitals are overflowing with COVID patients. Are they really, though? What would be found if these Menza wannabes in the media actually did a little digging into the details and the data and the reasons and the people actually being admitted? How many other hospitals would be exposed in how they are admitting patients? Now, Margulis's piece focuses on one, but you know it's happening elsewhere. We've heard the stories of this type of thing happening elsewhere. How many? The media has no interest in answering that question for us. Uh, Let me me rephrase that. The legacy media has no interest in answering that question for us because it it puts them in bad with their, their Democrat buddies. Now, Margulis's piece gets better, though. She spoke with a nurse in the COVID ward of this hospital that her friend was admitted to. Now, I want you to listen to what I'm going to say next very carefully. Ready? The nurse she spoke with was fully vaccinated, yet was wearing a plastic yellow disposable gown, teal gloves, and two two masks underneath a recirculating personal respiratory system. So this nurse had on a a basically a self-contained breathing apparatus with two masks on top of it or underneath it, excuse me. So she's here basically in, in a hazmat suit. This nurse in the COVID ward, fully vaccinated with a hazmat suit on, two masks and Uh, like I said, uh, basically a a self-contained breathing system. What does this say about this nurse's confidence in the vaccine if she's wearing two masks and the personal respiratory system? What does that tell you about what these medical professionals think of this vaccine? If the vaccine works so well, why do you need your own personal air supply? Why are you going to great lengths like you're going to clean up some some hazardous chemical spill somewhere? Now, the nurse's answer will provide insight as to why she had her own air supply. Her answer to... uh, uh, what Margulis was there trying to research will provide the insight here. So this nurse, this COVID ward nurse in this hospital that the author, uh, the author's friend was admitted to, told Jennifer Margulis that two thirds of her patients in the COVID ward were fully vaccinated. What? Wait. Hold on. I thought that the vaccine was supposed to keep you out of the hospital. I thought the vaccine was supposed to keep you from having symptoms that put you in the hospital. I thought this was a pandemic of the unvaccinated. That's what dear leader Joe Obama told us. Get the jab. You won't be hospitalized. Take our garbage medicine and you won't have the bad symptoms is what we were told. You wouldn't end up in the hospital. 
Yet this COVID ward nurse in the hazmat suit said that two-thirds of her patients are fully vaccinated. Now think about that for a second. How does a vaccine with a supposed 95% efficacy rate allow for people to be sick to the point where there's two-thirds of patients in a hospital COVID ward that are fully vaccinated. How do you get two-thirds of a COVID ward full of patients of vaccinated individuals with a 95% efficacy rate on the vaccine? How do you get there when you're told you get this jab, you won't end up in the hospital? Those are the, the, the I say promises, but those are the lies that the, the resident in chief told us. How, do, how does that happen? Well, here, here's how it happens. We had a vaccine. We had this, this marketed cure-all for us that has been jammed down people's throats. Marketed as the golden ticket to normalcy. And, and people jumped at the chance. Oh, normalcy. And they totally forgot all the other goalposts moving that went on with this shamdemic. Every goalpost that's ever been put out there has been moved. Two weeks to stop the spread turned into fights uh, and lawsuits within many states to get, get them opened up again. Oh, we're not going to do vaccine passports. You got cities with vaccine passports. You can't go anywhere in New York, uh, restaurants or shows without having a passport. That'll never happen. But people forget these goalposts being moved. And so when they came and said, we get back to normal when you all get vaccine, you had, uh, and I'd call it an alarming number of people jump at it, something that wasn't fully vetted. Something that was promised but isn't delivering. It, we have a vaccine that isn't even fully analyzed for its long-term functionality and actual efficacy. When you have this sort of thing where people are just trying to jump at these and, and grasp at air like this, this is what you end up with. You end up with something that is putting people in the hospital that was marketed as it wouldn't do that. If you take it, you stay out of the hospital. When you don't go through the proper steps to vet something like this, you end up with more people getting sick and hospitalized than are supposed to, and that the CDC and government bureaucrats won't dare to admit this fact, and they won't dare to admit that they were wrong, that they needed more study on this, that we shouldn't have actually used it full scale like this, and they try to bury the data within government websites, and they do that and they continue on with their propaganda because they have the media bootlickers with their heads so far up these bureaucrats and, and politicians' asses that they'll do anything they tell them because they think they're getting a little taste of the power too, and all they're doing is wrecking their credibility. That's how you end up with this. Now, again, uh, there's a great many people who took a look at this, decided it was for them, fantastic. That's how it should be. And I know a great many of those people that that took it are of the same mind where 
I did what's right for me. You do what's right for you. I don't, uh, I don't begrudge anybody that, that took the vaccine that said, did the research and decided it was right for them. That's what they did. And I think especially it, it might be okay for those who have the higher risk factors, maybe not based on what, you know, the data that comes out every day. Again, time will tell, but we didn't, we're, we're still technically in clinical trials till the end of 22, uh, early 2023 on this. The, the FDA approved uh, vaccine really isn't going to be available till 2023. Every jab anybody's getting now still is under is, is with the the vaccines that are under the the uh, emergency youth use authorization. They still can't force you to take it because it's not the FDA approved vaccine. Now, Again, I'll say this one more time. I'm not anti-vaccine. I am. I want all the data. I want people to be informed. That's the point here. And if you're informed and you felt it was right for you, fine. You're comfortable with that decision. Great. Vaccines have done a world of good uh, for people all, you know, all over the world. Fighting things like polio and, and chicken pox, I guess, is the next one that comes to mind here. But They've done a, a lot of good. They've eradicated some pretty nasty things. But for it to be the end-all, be-all on this virus, a coronavirus, which has never had an effective um, mitigation treatment ever, there's no effective vaccine that's ever been created for a coronavirus. They just mutate and, and do their virus things and get around it. We were sold that that, that this was going to be the cure-all, and it isn't. And now... These government officials and bureaucrats are hiding, burying their head in the sand, going full ostrich mode and continuing on with their propaganda and forcing, and I wouldn't say forcing, but making uh, it such that their credibility, which is already shot. I don't know if you can go negative on credibility, but that's where government institutions and the media, legacy media are at this point on my scale. And you know what? These uh, so-called uh, medical experts who believe in the science that keep holding on to this, their credibility is is quickly sliding with me as well. Someone fricking stand up, show the actual data, and speak out against it. We I know we have the American uh, America's frontline doctors, but there needs to be more. Actually, be a scientist that you went to school for, and point this stuff out. Now. We'll look at a little case study here. Israel, with one of, if not the highest vaccination rate in the world, something like 85% of their adults have been vaccinated. One of the highest, if not the highest, has reported that from July 4th to July 31st, 86% of the COVID cases they saw were among the fully vaccinated. 86%. That chart, don't take my word for it, that chart will be in the piece that I I link in the description box. Check it out for yourself. Do other research. There's several outlets I've seen where the the numbers uh, jive here. So I'll ask again, how can a vaccine with a supposed 95% efficacy rate be yielding such a high amount of fully vaccinated people with illness? The answer to this question lies within Israel's data. Again, 
the Israelis, their health ministry there, have calculated that the efficacy, the actual efficacy of the Pfizer vaccine, which I'm guessing is the predominant one that Israel's using, the actual efficacy of the Pfizer vaccine is only 39%. You know what that puts it on par with? The flu vaccine. The COVID jab is no better at preventing illness than the flu vaccine. At least that's what the data is bearing out here. Now I'll tie this segment up with this other nugget because I want you to have multiple multiple points of uh, of in of uh, um, data here. This th- this high rate of 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 vaccinated uh, fully vaccinated people getting uh, getting COVID isn't only an Israel phenomenon. Iceland who has vaccination rates of, again, of of their adults uh, in the low 80%, also another nation very high on the list of of vaccinated individuals, is also seeing a high number of COVID cases among the fully vaccinated. A full 77% of cases in Iceland are among the fully vaccinated. So there's 77% of their cases in Iceland, an island nation, one that you would think would, if the vaccine worked, Iceland would, have been, would be a really good test case for it, right? To, for herd immunity and all that. Being an island nation, being somewhat isolated like that, 77% of their cases are among the fully vaccinated. So what does that tell you? That tells you we have a trend here. We have something that we need questions answered about it. We need to know what is going on with this vaccine. Why isn't it performing as promised? I'll throw this out there. uh, Epic Times had a two-part sit-down with Dr. Robert Malone, who created the uh, mRNA uh, process vaccine, whatever you want to call it. He had some interesting things to say. Uh, in regards to why it's not working, that it's a leaky vaccine, and they know that. And by leaky means you can still get the uh, illness, you can still transmit the illness. Two-part interview, very interesting, look it up. Really great things to say, Dr. Robert Malone, one of the few I think that is trustworthy on, on the topic. So we have a trend here. We have two countries, high, high vaccination rates with high, high case infection rates amongst the fully vaccinated. That's a trend. Yet the dishonest and corrupt American legacy media will not investigate, will not bring this to our attention, nor will they ask the tough questions as to why the regime keeps pushing the vaccine. They will not ask the tough questions of these these pharmaceutical companies, of the bureaucrats, of the regime flunkies out there. They won't ask them. They don't ask the tough questions. They're going to continue to push the narrative. And you know what? They're only going to continue to damage their credibility by being the good COVID shills the Democrat Party requires. 
Finishing up today, it's time for another Ryan's Rant. Today's topic, the Biden regime's apparent hate for man's best friend. First, we had the story of the military service dogs being left in Afghanistan. That was bad. I think some of the images, if you, to be fair, uh, tugged at the heartstrings. There were some untruths to them. Um, cages weren't, supposedly weren't actually empty. Depends which side you want to look at and which outlets you believe on that, I suppose. But they were still left behind. There were service dogs left behind in Afghanistan after we evacuated the last of our military folks. Now, those service dogs were left behind due to a CDC policy enacted in July that had a list of 100 countries from which the import of dogs were banned due to rabies concerns. Afghanistan, of course, was one of these countries. And the emergency application for an exception to evacuate these dogs were denied. Now, I'm not sure how these dogs that were in military care and oversight would have contracted rabies to the point that we we would have to deny an emergency application uh, to get an exception to evacuate military dogs. These are part of our military, part of our, our service uh, uh, branches. I'm not sure how they would have contracted rabies. It's not like the the their handlers are letting them roam the streets at night with you know the other maybe potentially rabies infested dogs on the streets of Kabul or wherever else. I, I don't know how how why you deny that. But then again, nothing this regime does makes sense. They just do whatever their whim of the day is. They they feel like telling you no. The only thing they know is uh, that they want to tell anybody is no. What it is, is um, this regime just wants to punish Americans, whether human or animal, it seems. They just want to punish people. And they want to punish the lower ranks of the military, it seems. I mean, these dogs work hand in hand. I'm sure there's an attachment between their handler and, and dog. And this regime just wants to punish that because they know at the lower ranks of the military, they do not support this sham of a regime. Now, though, I would say a bigger concern, and that's that's a big concern if you can imagine something bigger, but of a bigger concern is a Western Journal article I ran across about a week ago concerning experiments on dogs that are funded by yours and my tax dollars. And of course, those experiments are sponsored by Anthony Frodchi's NIAID organization. Through a $375,000 grant. So we sent, what are we getting for our $375,000? And it's, it was sent to Tunisia. It's not even experiments that are done here. We send it overseas, of course. Now, here's the bottom line on what these experiments are. These experiments gave beagles drugs, which basically put them in a coma. And then the researchers take these beagles and they stick their heads into a mesh cage that's filled with starved and infectious sandflies. So what do you think happens when you have a starving sandfly? These dogs are essentially eaten alive. They're, they're, these poor dogs' faces are eaten off by these flies. 
Now, what is it exactly we are trying to learn through this sickening and cruel experimentation that we don't already know? Hungry flies will eat anything? That dogs will die once their faces are eaten off? What are we trying to get at with such a dumbass experiment? I am so tired of our money being shipped around the world for this bullcrap. Whether it be uh, these cruel experiments, whether it be gender studies in the Middle East that I guarantee you none of them give a crap about. It's tone deaf on the culture to have something like that. I'm so tired of our money being shipped around the world for stupid crap like this. And you see this and you ask yourself, is there no depth to human depravity? Don't answer that. We already know the answer. And don't worry, though. Don't worry. Fraud Chi isn't, isn't only sending our money overseas for cruel animal research. He gave the University of Georgia over $420,000 to fund research, and at this point I use that term loosely, where beagles were infected with parasite-carrying flies. Are there not enough case studies in the world where these things happen naturally. Unfortunate as it is that we could study the effects, that we could uh, learn what's going on. These things exist in nature. This stuff happens all the time. You gotta, We got to shell out a bunch of money to, to see what happens with this stuff and do it in a, a cruel, you know, nature's cruel enough. It doesn't need our help performing cruel experiments. Now, I'm sure there is plenty of, of these things happening in the world that they could study, that they could learn from. But these government bureaucracies are like a teenager that just got paid with, in terms of what their budgets are. They've got to spend that money. It's burning a hole in their pocket. We've got to spend this money. What, what kind of dumb crap can we think up to spend this money? Now, what better use could that money have been put to if it's actually left in the taxpayers' pockets instead of funding garbage research, can research used loosely, projects? This is yet another illustration of why the federal government needs to be shrunk back down to its constitutionally outlined function. All these bureaucracies need to be shut down. We need to get rid of them. And the only way that we add them back in to the, the federal government is through constitutional amendments. None, none of these uh, Fauci's organization here, the uh, CDC, none of these things are outlined as part of the constitution of what the federal government should consist of. Get rid of them. They have become nothing more than money laundering operations. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for listening. Please check out my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. There you'll find links to my past shows, my original articles, as well as other resources to help arm you with knowledge in fighting off the prevailing narratives of the day. While on my website, shop my store, Living With Liberty Outfitters. And don't forget in uh, September, in support of the fallen Marines in Afghanistan, all proceeds from merchandise sales will go to the A Soldier's Child Foundation, again, now through September 30th. Lastly, I'd be so grateful if you shared, subscribed, and left a positive review of the show, should your listening platform allow. Subscribing helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth.
I appreciate you spending part of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show and website with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. My website is livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Also, let's connect. Follow me on Parlor and Gab. My handle on both is at livingwithliberty. You can also go to the contact page of my website and email me or follow the links there to my social media pages. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.